0: Welcome to Dayton Warcry Club. I'm Warren, and today I'm joined by my co-host Dave. Tonight we'll be talking about blessings, where best to use them, and some lists you may want to try with them. We'll also have some event coverage of a tournament I went to in St. Paul, as well as some results from Kansas City, all leading up to the Nova Open. All this and more on Dayton Warcry Club. Hey Dave, how's it going? Good, how's it going with you? Pretty good. Uh, might have a little bit shorter episode tonight with just the two of us. Uh, we might get a couple other folks later, but uh, yeah, we're just going to do a little bit of catch up here. Uh, we're coming up on Nova Open. And so uh, I had a few thoughts on blessings I wanted to get out there, plus a few other events to kind of cover. So we'll get right into it though. We got news and previews. Uh, I don't think you have a hobby update. I didn't have anything. No. No,
1: it's been been a little quiet around here lately. Yeah, it works has been kicking my butt too.
0: But uh, yeah, I have reports from my trip last month. We got some lists to talk about. One very one one that uh, you might like a lot. And then our, our main topic will be blessings. So, uh, in the, since our last episode, uh, we talked about crypto blood, uh, but we also know a little bit more now. So, crypto blood is out now, and we also know how much it costs. And uh, you know, we're not gonna beat this one to death. I was, you know, swearing up and down it's gonna be a hundred dollars US. And it wound up being hundred and ten. So uh yeah, I think it's probably yeah I'm seeing online some people are seeing it and they're thinking, okay, it's a good place to start.
1: Uh which it might be, but man, man, not a lot of value there. That one's a little hard to swallow. I, I thought I really kind of thought 90 was a a reasonable price point uh, with hundred kind of pushing it. And uh, so here we are. Yeah, probably should have been 80 bucks. Uh,
0: Someone, I think it was optimal game state. They did a video talking about the, the uh, age of Sigmar starter set and how it's a better value. You don't get, you don't get the rules, but you can get the rules for free online. You don't get any terrain, but you get like a little box thing. You get like, three times as many miniatures you get like vanquishers a vanquisher prime uh you get a fair number of cruel boys uh, you have a couple points left over but you could use blessings to kind of fill that out so yeah it's uh it seemed like a really like a way better uh, starter set yeah obligatory meme gw just can't get it just can't get out of their own way they like money yeah uh, next up, uh, we saw this as well. So we have uh, WilderCorp Hunters. So this looks great. We got uh, some we, boys. Yeah, we got dogs. We got plenty of dogs. We got dudes with crossbows. And this is an actual Warcry box. So we're we're gonna get Warcry rules for it, which is like amazing because there's been all sorts of other like good looking miniatures. As the time of recording uh, today, the pre-orders went live for all the new cities, the Sigmar stuff. So, you know, all of it looks really, really cool, but I'm not sure how much of it
1: is going to have Warcry rules or, or what. Yeah, but the, uh, the Wilder Corp looked great. I mean, never have too many good boys on, this, on the field. Yeah, that's actually, um, I'm actually counting for the first time. It uh, looks like
0: 11 models, so the dogs would probably be pretty cheap. So it'd be kind of like a a uh, kind of a swarm list there. Uh, the range of tech guys may or may not be good. I'm not expecting them to be good, but uh, just in terms of flavor, yeah i'm I'm all about this. yeah, so leading up to uh, my little uh tournament report here. so this was last month in St. Paul when I was uh, on vacation, and i I promise during the last episode that uh if i did well there'd be a report and if i didn't do well then we would never hear about it again because <laughs> i but uh no i did actually uh um, i did very well um i went 3 and 0 there and uh and uh got a nice little prize so uh yeah uh yeah i think it is worth talking about a little bit more every i the the lists work the lists work very well and it was a very um very entertaining uh, narrative format so uh Avery was the uh the uh the tournament organizer. I tried to get him on uh this weekend but uh, uh the timing didn't work out. So I uh, wanted to kind of pick his brain and talk to him about the format but uh you know as we kind of talked about it's like this escalation format where you have a few more points to spend things on each round. So you can so you have a few more things to sp- to spend things on each round. So I base my list off of Kyle Smith's Flesh Eater Courts list from Adepticon. You can see that right there. Uh, really good list, and that's kind of what I wanted to base it around. However, uh, I had a couple limitations uh, with the list. Uh, in round one, you can only you're only allowed to have one hero, so obviously you can't play that list as is, uh, which is fine because actually I think. Although it's a solid list, it's only seven models and I uh, having played seven model lists. I'm a little leery of them. I would like to have uh, a few more models, but uh, I think the problem solves itself because as you add as you add uh, points for each round, then that would that allowed me to play eight ghouls and nine or eight models or nine models. So you got and, to you
1: didn't have to just set out. You got to actually re, replace it and then change the list up once you got more heroes.
0: Yeah, okay. the way it worked is you brought a roster and I can't remember how many how many miles you could bring on the whole roster. So there you can see my whole my whole Fletcher Courts collection. I even brought the uh, the Duke's Harriers just in case Duke's Harriers and the Crypt Flayers or Crypt Infernals or whatever. But uh, you know, the star of the show was the uh, the freshly painted vargulf courtier with the uh, the terrifying frenzy. Uh, that triple did a lot of work. Just the model itself was oftentimes the strongest model on the board and just bullied around every everybody else. And I was actually also very very pleasantly surprised by the Flesh eater Court's reaction baffling parlay. So before, if, you're, if you get an attack as a defensive reaction, and you can say parlay, and we use the reaction, it's minus one attack against you. So it's, it's really good on the Crypt Ghouls because the Crypt Ghouls aren't expected to really do any damage anyway. They're just straight up, you know, just chaff. They're super weak, you know, toughness three, eight wounds, really weak profile. They can move pretty quickly. But really, you just want to run them around, run away from enemies, and try to keep them alive. And Baffling Parlay works perfectly for that strategy. And in some cases, I had to use Baffling Parlay on a couple larger models as well, uh, to try to like when they're under pressure to try to keep them alive. So that that was pretty neat.
1: Yeah, it uh, seems like it'd be real solid.
0: It was. And the thing to keep in mind, the, or the thing I noticed is that um since there's the move, there's kind of been a move to like lower attack, higher strength models. You know, like your three five, three five profiles. Right. baffling parlay does pretty good work against them. Uh, right. Taking going from three attacks down to two, that's a big decrease in in incoming damage coming in.
1: So that's uh, that's that's strong. Uh, like you know, uh, how much of of strategy is trying to get those extra attacks back?
0: Yep. So, uh, you know, just we'll talk about I'll just talk about the rounds just really quickly here uh, and the uh, the missions we did. Uh, and these will actually be the missions that uh, we play tomorrow as well. So. Uh, the first round was dangerous game versus Chris on untamed beasts. And uh, I played Chris at at uh, Nova Open or not Nova at, uh, at Adepticon. Uh, I played him in the first round in the narrative event, and uh, he beat me there. He he uh, he smashed uh, one of my storm casts with a heart eater, and uh, kind of edged ahead in the uh, in the mission that we played. So this is my chance to get revenge. And uh, so there you can see my list. I didn't play the the uh, the ghoul king in this one. I just used the vargulf courtier, two crypt horrors, which are very uh, just really solid fighters. Uh, when you look at their profile, you know twenty eight wounds, four, four, two, four profile, and six crypt ghouls. So I had a a good number of models. Nine models felt really, really good at a thousand points. Uh, it's been a while since I've had the the luxury of having you know activation advantage right. So the way this uh, the way this mission works, every turn you pick a fighter an, an enemy fighter to be a hunted fighter and it's like a kill mission and you get one point every time you take down a hunted fighter and there's a couple additional conditions uh that uh, you can get maybe two points or three points for the hunted fighter so uh the uh if the if, if the hunted fighter has the most wounds on the board then it's worth three points so that would have been my vargolf courtier but he never got named Uh, And if you can kill a leader, if a hunted fighter is a leader, you get two points. So uh, the way I looked at these missions, because I hadn't played any of these before, I just kind of looked at it like I had to, you know, had to come up with some sort of game plan here Uh, and kind of imagine how how it's going to play out. So what I did was I knew I just assumed that my Crypt Ghoul is going to get picked every turn and he had planes runners for me to pick every turn. And both of them go down very, very quickly uh, to each to uh, each other's attacks. So if nothing else happens, it becomes a draw. It becomes a 4-4 four, four draw. Um, I, With his leader being a, a heart eater with 20 wounds, I thought I had a chance to lure his leader into combat. And then I can name it as hunted and then kill it for two points. And that would... And then so that turns a 4-4 game into a 5-4 game in my favor, and that was my strategy. Uh, and that actually is how it played out. Uh, we, were, we were rumbling, uh, you know, killing, you know, he was killing some ghouls. I was killing some uh, uh, some planes runners, and I'm actually, I got to kill his leader when it was hunted with the Vargolf courtier. Uh, managed to uh, do that. <clears throat> And uh, I think I had a ghoul that actually got away too, so I think the end result was five to three. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting, uh, interesting twist on uh, on a kill mission.
1: Yeah, I, I actually like that. That sounds interesting.
0: So next up, uh, I got to play against Dan, So the Salty Sea, on Strewn Riches. So Dan had a little bit of an advantage here because, uh, well, I mean, he designed these missions, right? This is this is his mission pack, this is the title pack. Yep, yep this is zero. These are all from the title pack. Okay. And I'll put the link. I'll put the link to the uh, title pack in the uh, in the video description as well. I set up a custom URL for it for us to use for the event. So this one has this is one of those missions where there's kind of two things going on, kind of like you know we played some Rumble Pack missions with randomly rolled Rumble Pack missions with a couple different things going on. So here you have a part half of it is a table quarters game. The the second half there is where you have you get you get one point per round if you have a fighter in a, in each table quarter, or you get one point for every table quarter that has one of your fighters in it but it's not like the rumble pack mission where you have to be alone in the table corner. So that one's easy to pretty easy to score. You can just kind of assume that both of us, you know, if nothing else happens, both of us will score four points around. So sort there's of 16 points up for grabs there. And there's also five treasures uh, as well, but the treasures don't get scored until the end of the game. So there's 10 points up for grabs there. So the way I figured this was play out and it and it, it, uh, it pretty much did. We're kind of jockeying for position, uh, you know, not aggressively going for treasures, but, you know, positioning ourselves to go get treasures. Uh, two, two treasures were easy for him to get. Two were easy for me to get. And, uh, and the third, the one to the center actually was uh, an interest. It was a board. It was elevated. Let me double back here. Here you can see. Actually, this is the board that we played on. Uh, you can see where there's the uh, the elevated uh,
1: yeah, the, uh, the elevated bridge there.
0: there. Yeah, that's where the center that's where the center treasure was. And so I was positioned where I could I could walk up there pretty quickly. Uh, where he was at, where Dan was coming in from, he would have actually had to try to climb up, and he's playing Iron Jaws, so he would have had kind of a hard time getting up there plus i had the only flyer on the board yeah happen, so my strategy
1: flying vargolf is a, a huge bonus there yeah so my
0: strategy was to just on the last turn of the game have the vargolf make sure that our vargolf's not tied up and have it within range fly up loot the treasure and no one should be able to take it down so and that's pretty much how it played out i think i scored a couple ex, I think i pulled a slight lead on the table quarters but it did wind up coming down to the uh to the final treasure and uh, i won initiative in the in the in the final round and managed to score it if not i believe dan would have had the ability to potentially rampage up and grab the treasure uh i forget I forget the specifics. It was certainly it was a super tight game though, uh, and it did come down to the uh, the last round. Dan was running. Uh, I think he had a. Uh, I think he had at least one brute. He had a mega boss, and he had at least one rock cut Uh And so I, this is my first time playing against a trogoff, and yeah, they are very very good for 185 points. Yeah. Twenty eight wounds. Yeah,
1: hard and hard to bring down.
0: Yeah, twenty eight wounds, five toughness. Uh, they have an ability that lets them heal uh, if they get in really in, in real trouble. So the Vargulf was able to take one down. I think uh, I think I was feeding Crypt horrors to the mega boss to try to slow it down. But that uh, yeah, that was. Uh, and there sure. you can see my list for the round. You know, the courtier, the Ghoul King. Uh, the Two Crypt Horrors and four Crypt Ghouls for a total of 1,040 points.
1: Now, isn't the uh, the Trogoth another, isn't that a three attack model that is uh, affected more is strongly enough, by, by Parlay? It is another three attack model, yes. So I don't think the
0: Courtier needed to, I don't think the Courtier ever needed a Parlay against it, but I I, uh, I believe this is the first round I started using parlay and i believe i managed to burn up some extra attacks from a trog off uh right. by parlaying there strategically
1: which is strong
0: i mean that's yep yeah there up, i think there wound up being some very very tight some very very tight attacks where like i had ghouls left on like you know two hit points or something like that so that put me so at this point i'm the only i'm the only undefeated but I still have to win the next round. Uh, if I lose the next round, I actually slip out of first place. So the next round I played against Cody on Cruel Boys. And so now we're getting up to 1,100 points. And uh, he had a killer Boss on Great Nash Tooth. He had a Trogoth as well. Uh, he had a couple of the, uh, of the Bladeborn models, uh, the Underworlds models. And actually, they're really good. Uh, one of them's a netter. And <clears throat> I need to draw something on the screen here. So I played on this I played on this sweet three d printed terrain board. I wanted to play on this because it looked really cool. Uh, JJ had had uh, built a couple of these tables. And so the way this is lined up here, uh, say I'm the blue. the right. Castle is kind of set up like this. And these are the steps coming up. And we place objectives for this mission. And you score points every turn for controlling objectives. <clears throat> so he started off, and our shield start on the on the board. Um, so I have the Vargolf courtier on the board. He has his, his uh, killer boss starting on the board. And he gets a rampage. Turn one, and he very aggressively rampages straight across the board. Into uh, I believe I had a the objective is right here. I think I might have moved on to the objective, uh, but he was immediately uh, doing some serious damage to the uh, the Vargulf courier, and so I'm immediately like on the back foot there. Mm-hmm. And you can see the profile on the killer boss, he has touched his five 38 wounds, and If uh since I got hit first, I was probably not winning the fight. So what I wound up having to do was uh from the uh, the objectives on the board just trying to get as many guys on the board as possible and score as many points from uh winning uh objectives and get an early lead and hopefully try to protect that lead. So that was that wound up being my strategy based on his
1: uh his uh, aggressive, like, uh, trying to Alpha Strike me. Mm-hmm. And... Is there really a more kill a boss tactic than trying to Alpha Strike with a Rampage on turn one, though? Yeah, that's exactly right. And he had, he,
0: had, he had a Trogoth, too, and the Trogoth was also pretty rough. I didn't have a whole lot that was able to take up the Trogoth with my with my courtier being taken down. Um, I believe I was able to use some crypto's to try to take out a, a couple models... Again, try to fight for activation advantage because I'm losing models for sure in, in this game as well. And uh, uh, it was it was tough getting around, though. Um, in the other two games, I had a whole lot of freedom and I was able to you know make good use of the movement five on my ghouls Or six on the horrors here, you can see in that in the. Uh, in the terrain there, you have a whole lot of like lanes and choke points and stuff like that, and so yeah. very hard to like get away. Right, Here you can see my Vargal trying to run away. Actually, no, this was the. Well, uh, oh, this was the start. Actually, this was the start of the game. So here's my, this this is where my Vargol started. But <clears throat> you can see like once you're in a fight, very very hard to kind of get away there. Um, normally I'm like zigzagging across the across the battlefield and you really couldn't do that here. So it really is good looking terrain though. Oh yeah, it was, it, it was amazing. I want like I, I wanted to play on it. I didn't even think about right. like the strategic implications of it. <laughs> Just wanted to experience it. Right? Uh, it actually, it, well, it kind of helped in a way though, because what I was kind of able to do, like the, the staircases are narrow because so they want to be in choke points. And I you could place a ghoul. Within three inches of an objective. But block I was able to block him from from getting past. Which was good because now we has to kill the ghoul. And then also the, uh, the other twist to this, besides it being a straight up. Uh, besides being a straight up, you know, score points for objectives. If you're fighting on an objective and both models are within three inches of the objective, if they're both contesting it, if you kill a model, you score a victory point just right off, just straight up. So there's, you know, there's up to 20 points available for scoring objectives, but then you could also score some points by killing things on the uh, by killing things on the objective and so that could cut into my lead because i'm you know because i'm focusing on scoring points right so things are falling apart i think i i, I lost the courtier i think i lost both the, the cryptors i lost uh most of my big models but uh i did score enough points to where we got to turn four and it was looking like even if he had like five capped me i don't think he would have caught up i had a, I built up that much of a lead but uh yeah there's a great great game from cody uh i was i was sweating the whole time during this game because uh because i was playing from behind the other two games i kind of had a i kind of had a plan and executed the plan but this one like things did not go to plan and there's a lot of really really good models there um the uh he had a, he had a fair number of, uh, uh, just the basic gut RIPAs, I believe. And I mean, those are super solid models as well. Like, you know, you have to put a lot of effort into killing them in a fight as well. And again, my ghouls are not doing anything. Right. Yeah. They're just running around, trying to stay alive, trying to cap objectives. But yeah, but things worked out. So I got a sloppity biopiper for my troubles. and so. Uh, if I had any sort of hobby picture, it would have been sloppity. Biopiper I picked up, and then I also picked up some used plague uh, bearers. So the nur- Nurgle is—I'm on the Nurgle train now. Everybody, watch out!
1: Once you get sloppity, it's it's all downhill from there. Like there's no stopping that train. Yep. Well, I got well, I got sloppity. I got a pox bringer
0: used from for a good price. They're both 130 point uh, models, but really uh, the the out of the plague bears, I went and actually got the bits to upgrade one to like the leader guy. <clears throat> and, you know, really, honestly, all, you know, all I really need is the, uh, the 90 point leader guy. But I have options. I'll have options. Uh, on the way back, uh, I stopped in Madison and I got to play against... Uh, you know, only one, only one guy was able to come out, uh, I to play against the, uh, Mike. Uh, Mike hangs out with the Dogs of War crew in Madison. And so we played a, uh, we played a friendly game. Uh, it was actually one of the new missions from uh, the White Dwarf. We played the one, it was like the, uh, the King of the Hill one with the, uh, the altar. Okay. And I got to play against his, uh, his Space Jam trogoff list.
1: Which is sweet. So- that is yep. a sweet, sweet paint job.
0: Yep, uh, I I think I had seen him. I hadn't seen any like some real. I hadn't seen really good pics of it, but uh, he played it at adepticon as well for the competitive uh, event. It was Molog, Fellwater. I think it's two Rotguts and Brugit and Proglaneta. So just six models. So that was a good game, and that was that was one where I had a. Uh, <laughs> I had, a, I had a Crypt Horror try to fight Molog, and Molog, like, two-shot it. Yeah. He hit, actually, he one-shot it, because he got double Bruget. He had a double brewgate potion, so he attacked, like, eight times and just smashed it one shot. <laughs> but then, But then he tried to run into a lowly Crypt Ghoul, and I just sat there and parlayed. And so Mala goes to one attack without the ability without the ability of a brew get, and I was able to hold him off. so it was it was about trying to like you know just get on the platform and then just try to block all the possible entries onto the platform, you know all, all the right. different places he could possibly climb up. But that was fun. He's a cool guy. So I made it back though, and uh, the the uh, the uh, the t o. From uh, The TO from Kansas City actually uh, posted some results. He shipped me these, but he also put them up on Discord as well. Uh, the They had a Kansas City event, uh, and this is a competitive event. I think they're trying to get ready for uh, for Nova Open as well. And check this out. I showed you this uh, earlier, but uh, first place was Slaves to Darkness.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, I'm taking full credit for this. This is my list. <laughs> is what I got uh, when we did our event. This is my second place list that you know I lost only to Ryan. But uh, yeah, okay, uh, we had
0: it. We we had it published. All right.
1: Yep, we did. It should be published. So, uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, this is a list I have played a lot. It's very strong. Um, you know, I love the Myrmidon, I love the Varen your marauders do what they what they do the chaos lord is okay um for the points it's it's okay it's uh has decent attacks and can take some decent hits it doesn't do anything especially great but uh you know it feels it feels a roll so
0: well yeah i mean the points fit exactly right yeah uh unless i messed up the points there because yeah yeah, FOMO is, FOMO is is five points cheaper than the Ogroid, but there's really not a whole lot more you can get for an extra five points on the Chaos Lord. Right. And you can take a hit, too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he has, I, bl- I think, 25 wounds. Yep, got 25 wounds, toughness five, uh, strength four attacks is strength five, two, five. So, you know, we, remember we were like... And we were really high on the War Queen early on. But we kind of found that the War Queen was, had to be used correctly. It might have been a little fragile. But uh, mm-hmm. Chaos Lord, I think, you know, a little more flexibility there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, like I said, I've had a lot of success with this list. I think it's a good list. I'm glad to see it doing well elsewhere. And then second place,
0: we have uh, Cruel Boys.
1: So, uh,
0: we don't have the exact list, but we think it's something. It's it. It's it's this list, plus or minus a model or two. Uh, it has a kill a boss with boss hacker. I believe for 180 points you get the the uh, kill a boss with the boss hacker and shield. For for 190 it could be the boss hacker and flail. Uh, it has a brew get because you know every destruction yep. list needs at least one brew get. Has yep. rock gut tragoth uh, again, super strong, like we talked about. You get six gut rippers with spears. There was a stab garot, so he comes with the killer boss. And the, the last model was unknown. Um, if you had the 180 point killer boss, that puts you at 930 points and 11 models, counting the unknown model. So the last model, it could be, um, I think Steven said it might have been something small, uh, maybe a, a pot grot, but that leaves some points. 70 points is exactly the right number for hob for a, a single hobgrot slitta, uh, or a second brew get potentially. So uh, you have some flexibility here. Uh, the core of this, again, you have a ton of models. The models are very, very hard to shift. Um, and you could definitely play around with like the last couple models. And the other cool thing is, uh, you know, if you have a Bruget and a Rotgut uh the rest of those models all come from a Dominion box or some of those other Age of Sigmar starter boxes. So this would be uh, like a pretty good, solid list. Pretty easy to uh, to pick up all the pieces for. Stop the presses. We have a we have a placing list for Savage Oryx. Not, not cruel boys, not cruel boys, not iron jaws, but savage orcs. A lot of orcs this week. We've talked about quite a bit of orcs this week. Yeah, this, this week is the week of the orcs. He had the uh, the savage orc more boy boss at 175. Uh, he had a bruget as well because gotta have a brew get gotta have the bruget. Yep. Uh, he had the 190 point brute boss with boss Choppa. So. Allied in, there's your there's another hard hitter for you. Uh, helps versus swarms as well. Uh, you have two big stabas at 165 points each. Big stabas, I think, are the reason to play uh, the, the reason to play this orc faction. The uh, they just look so ridiculously cool with uh, just two guys with a big stick, good damage profile, 3-5, three, 3-6, three, 25 wounds. Yeah, like that's the reason to play them. Oh yeah. Uh has Wallop de Skull from uh from uh the Bladeborn from Underworlds. So you can play him. He's a uh he's a uh a similarly statted uh more Boy with uh a little bit different uh weapon, but uh decent profile 3525. Five. And he also had a more Boy with bone totem. So that's the the three inch range, uh, the three inch range, hundred fifteen point uh, Boy. So a thousand points, seven models. Uh, he posted on Discord afterwards and kind of gave a list review of it himself. He said, yeah, I think he said the the Boy boss, and this is Jack Adkins by the way, is the uh, the pilot. Jack said the Boy boss was good, but a little bit of a glass cannon. Which for hundred seventy five points, he hits hard, but and 20 wounds i could see that uh and if he w- could make any change he would have taken the more boy with the bone totem there i guess he kind of underperformed and he would just downgrade him to a regular more boy and then use the points on blessings if possible so he could put like survivability blessings on the more boy boss but uh yeah congrats to jack for uh for making savage orcs work cracking it cracking the code yep uh for for the uh kansas city tournament they actually used a um i can't remember what they oh they used the uh they used the salty sea packs as well so here you have a seven model list yeah the title pack i believe that's what they used so they had a seven model list here in third place uh 11 models in second place and again seven models for first place so the seven model lists, if you were doing like straight rumble pack, obviously, I don't think you would have seen them do as well. Um, so just kind of if you're if you're looking at different tournament packs, just kind of know which ones sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, have you working in more with swarms or which ones where you want to have like some big guys, you know, in where those seven model lists might be more viable. So that was that was the uh, the week that was or the month that was for war crime. So next, we're going to talk about blessings. We're going to talk about brewing with blessings. Here we go. So, this is the, Here's the meat. Yeah. So this is in White Dwarf 490. And you have, I got the table here. <laughs> this is uh, as, uh, as it appears on warcrier.net. Shout out to ServoScribe for uh, running that site. It's by far the easiest place for me to get screenshots and profiles now, as opposed to going through my own PDFs. And uh, the way the blessings work, if you hadn't seen it in White War 490, uh, <clears throat> is that it's an optional rule, so you can only use them if you and your opponent agree. But it's a match; it's available for match play, so tournament organizers could use these rules. And uh, after you sit down, so you you build, you still build your roster, but you actually don't have to put the blessings on your roster. So you could build a roster with, say, 950 points. And then after you sit down and you figure out what mission you're going to play and who you're going to be playing against, you can write down in secret, you know, on a little piece of paper saying, all right, these are these are the blessings I'm going to give to my fighters. I'm going to give this guy plus one toughness or give this guy plus one strength. So I like this because this gives you a way to kind of like tune your list on the fly. Uh, there is no roster system in match play to where like, you know, you could bring, you build a roster of 15 models and then pick and choose from, from your roster, you know, a number of models equal to a thousand points based on the matchup or the mission. Um, there's nothing like that in this game. So this is a way I think, to help that would help some players, like help good players kind of like tailor their matchup and adds a little bit of extra skill to the game. Uh Salty's talked about them a little bit. He said they're not very balanced, and I kind of believe him there. Uh, but they're certainly he he likes them a lot. He said he said he likes them, he thinks they're fun. I think that's a really good endorsement of them. And that's why for the event that we're gonna be running uh tomorrow, uh for the event that we're running tomorrow, we're going to be allowing blessings. So I I uh, made sure that the blessing rules were advertised for the event.
1: Thoughts? Yeah, so right off the bat, I mean, I think Ferocity is one that a lot of people are going to look at. Um, plus one attack, yep. yep. Plus one attack for 25 points, uh, 30 mm-hmm. on an Elite. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've talked a lot. on more attacks are better. The more dice you roll, the you know better your odds are. So, um, also, I mean, really, uh, swiftness uh, it probably will be looked at more. Um, how many models are there that? Oh, their biggest drawback is their three movement, or, or even trying to sneak out a, a little bit of uh, leverage on uh, an average speed model. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them. I mean it's a good way to shore up the shortcomings of a model that you want to play with. uh, If you've got the points.
0: Absolutely. And just, just for the record, Dave did not see the slides I had built for this, for this uh, podcast presentation. And you covered three of the points that I was going to cover as well. Yeah. So things I was going to things that you could do with the blessings, you can make big guys bigger. You can improve borderline models. Again, like you talked about, shoring up weakness. You can add mobility, like you mentioned, You're giving an extra point of movement to a slow model makes it a very big threat. Um, you can add survivability to models. Uh, I think that might open up again, sort of that kind of goes along with improving borderline models. Or it also might open up some brand new builds as well which and so there's a, a few interesting things we can do with those and we'll, we'll talk about those uh, or there's been some other folks that have kind of done a little bit of brewing with it as well and we'll kind of uh, share their thoughts as well. So first off you mentioned. You mentioned uh, adding plus one attack and. That was my f- initial response as well. You know, I think everyone's first response to the blessings rule is, oh man, I can make my big monster an even more huge and dangerous monster, right? So here we see a tyrant, and you know, just adding plus one attack to a tyrant makes it a five, six, four, eight for three hundred and forty-five points. Uh it's a it's a melee monster, you would definitely not want to get around, but you know, at 315 points, it's already very expensive, almost a third of your points. And adding plus one attack might just be overkill. So even though I think a lot of folks' initial reaction to using blessings is, yeah, I'm going to just make my guys bigger, uh, I think you may want to think twice about using blessings. Also, keep in mind that blessings have a very real cost attached to them. We're going to kind of look at, uh, the cost effectiveness you know 30 points is almost a knob is almost one knoblar so you know you can add blessings and make your guys bigger but it's going to affect your model count and some lists already have like a low model count we saw a lot of those seven model lists that were a thousand points if you had blessings you're going down even further so uh, I, I think this this is worth mentioning up front that you know There's a lot of good things you can do with blessings, but I think there's also a lot of traps as well. And I think you want to like very, very carefully pick and choose the blessings you want to use on your fighters. Yeah, I agree. So how can we get the most out of our blessings? Well, improving borderline models. I'll I'll give a few examples here. Um, Now, adding plus one attack on a two attack model that that's pretty good because you're increasing your damage output by 50%. Uh, So you can see that pretty, 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 uh, pretty clearly. Uh, You could add, you know, another area. There's a, there's a class of models that have like a lot of attacks, but only three strength. And those aren't good in a lot of situations because you know they can get countered off the board. And so we'll look at an example there where we try to add strength to a three strength model to see if we can make it, you know, a little bit, a little bit stronger. Uh, There's another uh, one of the options we can use with blessings is plus one damage, you know, plus one non crit damage on non crits. And that gets valuable the more attacks a model has. And for each of these, because you're paying, you know, 15 or 25 points. Uh, it's often most cost-effective or point, most cost-effective on mid-size or larger models. If you're paying plus 25 points for an extra attack on a 65-point model, you've taken it from 65 points up to 90 points, and that's a big increase. Yeah. But if you're only paying 25 points extra on a 160-point model, that's a much smaller relative increase. So something else you want to keep in mind there's like this balancing act you have to do though because again if you're putting these blessings on way too large of a model you might actually be being, putting too many eggs in one basket and hurting your overall model count so here's a couple of good examples i found here one is how to put you know putting plus one attack on on a uh, on a model and i i forgot this model existed uh the lord executioner has two attacks five strengths three six damage profile for night haunt and i forgot it existed because honestly i hate two attack models i would probably never ever use them until now because now you now you you have three attacks strength five you're still at a very reasonable 200 points Uh, you have a three five three six damage profile you're a six inch flyer Uh, you're still kind of, you're kind of glassy at 20 points, but at 200 points, that's, that's a pretty good damage profile. Look at that profile on the right, just in a vacuum. Would you play that profile? I would look pretty strongly at it.
1: Yeah, I I would. Uh, For those
0: that like the math hammer, here we have an excerpt from, from a, a calculation spreadsheet. And there you can see how much damage we do versus toughness two, three, four, five, and six. You can see the effective damage goes up from 4.75 to 7.13. So versus an average model assuming mostly toughness four, but uh, potentially uh, you know a, a few toughness fives or toughness threes, you can reasonably expect to do 7.13 damage per attack, and that gives us our efficiency rating of. 28.07 points per effective damage. Remember this stat. We talked about this a few episodes ago. Uh, we use this stat to kind of determine efficiency. Lower is better. You want to be paying fewer points. And as sort of a a a, uh, a baseline for like what is a a good uh, value for this, we anything lower than 25, we would consider to be a, a very efficient damage dealer. So. Uh, Lord Executioner with one attack, with plus one attack, goes. You're paying 28 points per point of effective damage there. So it's not. It's still above that 25, that 25 line, but it was at 36 before. So it's it's gone down quite a bit. It's gotten much more efficient to the point where you know it can. It's it's in a good conversation for being like a super efficient fighter, and that's at as a six inch flyer. So another example we use, I'll use the uh, I'll use the uh, the fiend from Slanesh Demons. Uh, There's a few other examples as well. Uh, Adding a point of strength to a fiend costs 20 points, and that takes you from a 4-3-2-4 profile to 4-4-2-4. So uh, it's 180 points, but you still have the special ability. You have 25 wounds. Uh, You know, this might be, if you had the spare points, might be worth looking at. If you were playing Sanesh and you're sick of your attacks just bouncing off of normal strength, normal strength four guys or normal toughness four models. If you're playing Sanesh and you're sick of your attacks bouncing off of basic toughness four models. Uh, You could add a point of strength there and that's going to help your your damage output against them. Uh, Looking at the stats there, there you can see it's a it only helps versus toughness three and versus toughness four. Uh, And with the increase in points doesn't really increase the efficiency too much. So this is a this is a much more modest increase in efficiency, Uh, but it still makes it slightly better. So I promised some lists. Uh, So this list is the Grapes of Wrath, so I wanted to find a way to make Wrathmasters and Wrathmongers good. Wrathmasters, Wrathmasters are already, they're already pretty good. Uh, 6-4, 2-4, but you can add a blessing, to give it plus one attack, and now it becomes a monstrous 6-4, 3-4 profile. But Wrathmonger's really got the short end of the stick in 2.0. Your damage profile went back to a 1-4 profile. But uh, if you pay just 25 points, you can, uh, for 165 points, you can get a Wrathmonger with a 5.424 profile. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's a really solid increase. That's 5.424 uh, is a pretty scary attack profile. Uh, especially yeah, yeah. on a sub-200-point model. Yep. Dark Oath War
0: Queen, you pay, you pay 185 for that. You pay, you're paying yeah. 165 for this Wrathmonger. And he has a 2-inch range as well from, with the little flails.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's very strong. If you look at the
0: numbers, uh, the, uh, the Wrathmaster is going to, on average, deal 10 points of damage per attack to the average target, sometimes more. Uh, even even the Wrathmonger uh, is going to deal is going go, is going to deal uh, 6.67 uh, damage per attack. And if you look at their efficiency, they were already pretty efficient. Uh, you know they had those ah uh, those efficiency ratings at 26 and 28, but both of them get below that magic 25 line now. So they were already kind of scary, but now they're definitely contenders. And so if you wanted to play a list with them, like say you had you know three Wrathmongers laying around your uh, laying around in your unpainted miniatures, <clears throat> like I do, <laughs> uh, you could play a Wrathmaster at 240 with a blessing, two Wrathmongers at 330 with the with the blessings on them. Uh, you get five blood reavers for uh, 325 points. And that leaves uh I had a odd number of points left over, so I just threw in a Blood Warrior with Gore Fist for 105. So it gives you nine models, a thousand points. It's all foot sloggers, but uh you have some real damage dealing threats there and some range. Yeah, it seems solid. There's there's a whole lot of good heroes for corn, and the wrathmongers and the wrathmasters just have so much flavor. It's a, it's a shame to leave them on the bench. So yeah. just finding some way to try to, to, to use those, you, you know, this is just a kind of a meme list to kind of build around them. But, you know, at one sixty five, that I think that Wrathmonger is, you know, competing for you know, maybe as just a one of in an, any other corn list, it might be competing for a spot.
1: Yeah. That's a really solid model for 165 points. Okay. So we also
0: talked about adding mobility. So again, so we have you know movement three fighters super efficient for their points cost, but imagine how much scarier they'd be with an extra point of movement. And so I pick three examples here. Imagine an orc mega boss at 250 points, but able to move four instead of move three. Imagine a brute boss with boss choppa. He's 215 points, but he's almost as scary you got 3636 three, six damage profile, 30 wounds, movement four. Or imagine a Paladin of Star Soul Mace able to move four with its 3548 profile. You get that for 170 points. 170 points. Yeah. <clears throat> now, so that's good enough, right? And, but if you really want to take advantage of that, bone of that additional point of movement you want to use fighters with with the ability to use additional bonus moves so that's why I picked you know that's why I picked three those three examples uh iron jaws have charge uh paladins with star soul mace have access to furious avengers and those you know for the low cost of a double give you a bonus move action so not only can they just move four by themselves but they can move four with. They can move four uh, just by spending a double in most cases.
1: Right. So you're really getting, especially with these, you know, with the bonus action, it's not just one inch. It's really more like two inches that you're gaining. Yep.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's that was that was kind of my thinking there. So as long as you can get, you know, with an iron jaw, you can charge, move, attack. Pretty easily, it gives you an eight-inch threat range, nine inches with the with the weapon. Um, So, if you wanted to build a list here, so this one, this is so this is just six models, but this is really leaning into the additional mobility there. So, for 180 points, you can get the leader of your choice. I picked a Retributor Prime. Another three inch uh, this is just a three-inch uh, move model uh, without any blessings. I wanted two paladins with the star soul maces with that movement buff. And I want to pair each of them up with a quest or soul sworn. And you can use your choice of quest or soul sworn there. So now you have in addition to Furious Avengers, you can just use the Quester Soul Sworn to also give bonus moves to your guys and cruise and send them across the board. So there, you, now you have multiple ways to get bonus moves and get those Paladins into combat. And with 40 points left over, uh, I had enough, just enough points for a Protector to get up to six models. So that's 1,000 points, six models. I have no idea how that would work, but uh, it, it's interesting at least. Again, this is just yeah. kind of... Just kind of going, playing all in into into this mechanic of bonus movement with paladins and fast-moving paladins. You could also do this with Annihilators as well. Uh, The Annihilators at 130 and at 145 points, uh, they would be pretty affordable as well. And that might give you a little bit extra room
1: for additional models. Yeah, on paper, these all sound worth trying at least, right? Yep. Yep, again, these are just,
0: you know, throwing these out there, you you know, they're, they're probably gonna be pretty rough, but again, just kind of proof of concept to show you exactly what you can do with some of these mechanics if you went all in on them. Okay, next up, survivability. So survivability is a little bit different. Uh, you pay the same price for any model. So before you paid a little bit more around the big models here, you can give any model four wounds for just fifteen points. So here, this is gonna be more effective on your cheaper models or your glass cannons. Uh, because they're the ones that need
1: the extra wounds uh, right. more. we've We've talked a lot about the uh, uh, the war Queen today and this mm. is I think she's a, she's a good example of somebody who, who benefits from an extra four wounds. Ooh, or I had thought about even, that. Yeah, even um bumping up her toughness from from five to six, either of those I think. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So there's some interesting thoughts. Someone in Discord had asked about, you know, whether or not it would, you know, what gives more survivability, toughness six or plus four wounds. And the answer is it depends. Right, uh, going from five to six is pretty good, but speaking from experience, I've I've experienced this, and Fred's experienced this. When you get crit, it doesn't matter what your toughness is.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I lean I lean more towards bumping her wounds up to twenty-four. Right. I. Yeah. So yeah, she has
0: <clears throat> she has twenty base wounds, and she would go from twenty to twenty-four. Yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty good because she's yeah. still 200 yeah. points. Yeah. I wish I'd put that there. I should have <laughs> I should have brain I should I should have picked I should have picked your guys' brains for this. Yes, put the war queen on there too. Uh the examples I chose, uh there's a couple of scaven glass cannons. Uh there's the um uh, the doom flare and the warp grinder. Uh one of them is like 150 points and 12 wounds. Uh, I thought about that one, but it was—I think it was even still going to be kind of really, really glass cannony. But you could do something like that. Uh, but I picked a warp fire thrower. I think it was kind of reasonable at 105 points for for 12 wounds, and a lot of people like the warp fire thrower anyway. But at 120 points for 16 wounds, now it it becomes like a, a reasonable. A reasonable piece that would not get two shot off the board, because if your opponent wants to take it out, they're probably going to engage it and take it out. An even better example uh, that I know from personal experience is the Prey Takers from Untamed Beasts. Uh, They are great models with great damage profiles, but they're both, no matter the loadout, they're both 100 points, Toughness 4, and 10 wounds. And I think that the real that the prey takers are the real Achilles heel of the untamed beasts if you're playing one box untamed beasts. So just by simply adding four wounds to a prey taker, you're at 115 points. And then look at that profile in a vacuum. That profile looks a lot more attractive now, potentially. Oh, yeah. 14 wounds, you know, you expect it to take a couple hits now. Uh, another one I forgot to include that might have been a little bit glassy, that might, that might uh, be a little more, more reasonable, might be Bestigors from Beasts of Chaos. And then also there's a whole ton of glass cannons in Dars of Cane and Splintered Fang to where just by wholesale uh, dishing out a lot of wounds across all of your chaff or all your mid-range models, that might give your give your uh warband the survivability that it won't get blown off the board and in, in like two turns and then finally off Meta Musings had had posted this idea in discord and this is actually pretty brilliant too so if you're familiar with his if you're familiar with off meta's uh hunters hawaii list uh what he's proposing is essentially cutting a model from hunters of hawaii i think he winds to just I think this one's up costing him one model and uh, he's going to take all the Hawaii's claws and upgrade them. they are already 10 wounds and he's going to bump them up to 14 wounds. So now his, the, the, the fighters are like the backbone of his war band are all going to be 14 wounds and pretty hard to take off the board. Uh, I think that puts them at 90 points a piece. If I'm not mistaken. But even still, uh, th- they, the rest of that warband is so inexpensive that you have a decent amount of survivability and 10 models on the board. So a strategy like this might also be good for your warband if you're having a lot of trouble with survivability. You m- remember, it's only 15 points to add four wounds in a lot of cases, you might be able to just be able—you might just be able to cut one model and spread out and give up extra wounds to a number of models, and that might change the whole way that your warband plays.
1: I wonder how much testing they did to come up with four, because it's just five seems so much more. You know, everybody likes round numbers, so there right. there has to be a reason they went with four.
0: Uh, i I couldn't tell you <laughs> I don't know it does seem arbitrary uh, it mo- for the most part, I think they all kind of makes they all kind of make sense um, mm-hmm. without getting into the math or the linear regression of whatever the pointing algorithm is or if they just happen to you know randomly uh, fall upon well-balanced models. Uh, offmed has done a little bit more work with the linear regression. I haven't had I barely had time to do regular podcasts. No time for hobby. I haven't had time to dig into like linear regression and more math hammer about that. Although I'd be very interested in really cracking the code. But uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know what they were thinking. It all kind of makes sense though. Uh, It does. You know we're taking you know we're taking a glass cannon prey taker here, and at 115 points, three five two five. 4 toughness 14 wounds that's like that's like a chaos warrior right it's yeah you know, you're i mean fl- the, you know, you're close to a chaos before. warrior profile because, yeah hey. one less toughness but and then finally uh finally is one of the blessings could potentially open up new unique builds. So credit goes back to Dan Salty Sea for this one. Uh he had, was brewing up some lists and uh so the spite blessing says you make up to one free reaction per battle round as if spending a level of renown. And he had uh, if you want to go if you want to go all in on pink horrors and blue horrors if you give spiteful to the pink horrors that lets them use their split re- reaction regardless of whether or not they've activated. That's been the challenge with Tazinch Demons. Uh, I think a lot of folks were trying to make pink horrors work, but the thing is, but the issue with them is that pink horrors and iridescent horrors are so expensive that it forces you to have a low model count. And it's very easy then if you have a low model count to target models that have already activated, and they're not going to be able to do the split if you kill them. So the best way we've seen to make this work would be just use blue horrors and you spam blue horrors, and maybe a couple other couple other units like a screamer or a flamer or something like that. So what the spite opens up is it makes pink horrors viable now.
1: Yeah, I know. We've been talking about uh, horrors and how how to best yeah. Well, uh, oh, this was <laughs> I mean this was
0: yeah this was because yeah.
1: this is based off of right after Salty posted that video and
0: that's what got the creative juices flowing there. Yeah. So if you look at his proposed list, you you can pay two hundred for an iridescent horror with spiteful. Uh, you pay three hundred and thirty for two spiteful pink horrors, and you can get five blue horrors for 450 so it adds up to you get eight models for 980 points and if you want to lean all in on 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 the gimmick that you know that's a that's a good place to start now the issue though and we were kind of talking about this uh that afternoon when we're you know after after to come out is that even though it's gonna be very hard for them to remove all your models because you're going to be splitting and splitting again. Remember, blue horrors can split into brimstones as well. If you attack them and they and they have a reaction left, so it'd be very hard to wipe off to wipe you off the board. However, you might have a very hard time killing anything because everything hits. Every, everything is a range attack, but it's they're all very very weak range attacks. So. Yeah. Uh, one thing you could do uh, that I was kind of doing was I was brewing around is maybe you could go, you could cut one pink horror in one blue horror. That gives you, uh, that gives you enough points for an ogroid thaumaturge potentially. Again, it's not a huge damage dealer, but he's a big guy. He, f- he fills the big guy role, and it's in theme for Tzinch. Uh, another thing you could potentially do is uh, maybe you don't build around Tzeech demons like this. Maybe it just makes the Spiteful Iridescent Horror at 200 points an ally option that's that's available for any other warband. So yeah. you could play Tzeech Arcanites and put an Iridescent in or put an Iridescent, put the Spiteful Iridescent in any other sort of random warband. Say you had a low model count, for example. A spiteful iridescent horror potentially solves that because it's going to turn into, you know, four more models with the with the splits potentially.
1: Yeah, that really is a interesting building block to have a access to a model that you reasonably can turn into four. Yep. Epic loot did have
0: pink horrors. And I think they had blues sitting in the uh, – I know for a fact they had pinks in there today when I looked. It was tempting,
1: but I didn't buy them. They they generally have pinks. Yeah. Blues, uh, I can't remember was... if they did or not. I, I'm pretty sure that somebody bought the blues last time we were there, either you or, or Fred. Maybe it must have been Fred. It might have been Fred. Because I believe they actually, they had the blues and they came with the brimstones. Oh, see, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And finally, one other
0: thing to consider here, especially with the spite reaction. So I'll read this again. Make up to one free reaction per battle round as if spending a level of renown. We kind of missed this the first time. You know, if you're putting on a pink whore, you're only ever going to make the reaction once because it because it happens uh, it happens after you you kill the the model. But you can it means it gives you for 30 points. It's it's not a cheap blessing, but it gives you the ability to use one reaction every round. And so the you, where you might start thinking about this is oh okay I can make one counter per round, which I think is kind of selling it short. Uh, what it does is that if you have if you have a strong reaction, it makes those reactions even better. And so, uh, what's one of your favorite reactions, Dave?
1: Uh, well, that would be uh, the uh, Slave to Darkness Fortitude buff, the boon of Fortitude, to heal your uh, heal your model for three.
0: Yeah, I mean it's strong just on a Marauder because it effectively gives them thirteen wounds. Now imagine, and Fred gets credit for this. So Fred is gonna try to put spiteful on his vanguard. And I, I wish he was on so we could talk about it. But uh, the idea is that you're gonna be uh, you're gonna run the you, he runs the vanguard into combat anyway, regardless. Right. That's just a given. So someone's gonna be someone's gonna be trying to attack it. And the way that we've seen the vanguard uh, play out in combat, oftentimes you, you've 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 witnessed this yourself. Oftentimes the Varenguard, he he'll run the, the vanguard in and he'll sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. You know the rest of the models are going to do the work of winning the game. He uses the Varengard as like a distraction. Carnifex. You know sometimes if and if the Varengard doesn't die, then I then obviously you just run it down their throat. And, you know, you'll probably win the game that way. Right. Uh, But sometimes, you know, even with toughness six, the Varen Guard is going to, you know, go down after a few crits or something like that. Now, with the Boon of Fortitude and being able to use it once per battle round, that effectively gives the Varen Guard 42 wounds as opposed to 30. Assuming it lives for all four battle rounds. So now your Varengard is kind of in that class, almost kind of goes into that class of fighter where you don't try to kill it. Uh, Killing it's a fool's errand, potentially.
1: Yeah. The Varengard is already one of the strongest models in the game. So, I mean, basically unkillable Varengard is a nightmare scenario for many, Mm -hmm. uh, many lists.
0: Yep, and then once it's in, and then once it's in combat, right, you're potentially facing, you know, nine attacks uh, per turn from it.
1: Yeah. While it heals for three points for free. Yep, for free.
0: You know, without even, without even burning its reactions. Or attacks. Right. So... Uh, if you want a list, this is what uh, Fred was going to try to play. He's probably not going to make it tomorrow now, but uh, he was going to play that Varengard. He was going to put plus one attack on the Fomoroid Crusher, so that makes it a four six four eight, I think. So the the so he's so he is kind of going, he is going kind of deep on that, but it makes the FOMO Crusher even more scary. Yeah. He's going to play, he downgraded his leader. He's not playing Sloppity Bile anymore. He's playing the 90-point Plague Ridden, but he still has all six Plague Bearers. The last list that he ran uh, in our tournament was 975 points. He had points left to spare already. And by downgrading his leader to a Plague Ridden, he has the points to give that Blessing to the Varenguard and give the Blessing to the FOMO Crusher, yet still keep nine models. He's at 995 points currently with that Blessing loadout. That is scary, especially considering that Slopity Piper really wasn't doing a lot in that particular list to move plague bears around. He was spending more of his time, more of his dice on the Varenguard and, and the Fomaroid than anything else so that's the scary list right there yeah uh if you're playing a, if you're playing a, a a tournament with blessings available uh i don't know it it was already a strong list and it, i think it just became even stronger so that kind of gets me back to kind of like my original or kind of like the original impressions of the blessings salty has said that they're they're unbalanced and again i agree with him um, i like what they do I like that they open up unique builds. I like that they make, you know, some fighters that weren't good before, you know, might actually make them viable. But I th- my, my big concern is that while it opens up some of like these kind of like niche lists and niche fighters, a list like this with cheap chaff, you know, because his, his list was built around, built around Plague Bears. Or maybe, say, you had a, a KO list that was built around cheap cheap Arcanauts or something like that. You have points to spare. You have, you have a, a high model count. You don't really care about cutting a model, right? You're going, you know, if you're going from 10 models to nine models, you don't care a whole lot. And it gives, and the gain from the blessings is more than what you lose from losing a single, chaff model look at Soul by gravelords for example you might be you know instead of playing 13 models in your soul by gravelords list you might have to go down to 11 but you get a couple of good blessings on your guys you know oh what a shame right yeah so my concern here long term with these is that even though it opens up things it makes the rich get richer the the strong the strong war bands the strong factions that have the good cheap chaff get even stronger when because they have more flexibility and more room to use blessings like i wish i could put a skaven list in here that had blessings you know i would like to have the ability you know to have some some points spare to put plus one strength on a on a rat over for example but all of my scaven lists are already so tight for points because everything is so expensive because I'm paying for movement. Right. I, I would have to cut a model and, you know, it, it, there'd be some very, very hard cuts to make in order for me to find room for plus, you know, plus one strength on, uh, on, on a rad over or something like that. I'd have to make some big sacrifices. Fred had 25 points to spare from his tournament winning list. And he was able to downgrade his leader and not lose much and find even more room for points. So, so long-term, I mean, we'll, we'll do this tomorrow. I want to see how they go. I want to see what people think here in the local area about it. Uh, and we're going to have a couple, you know, we're going to have a couple more events as well, locally, like before we do a tournament. And we'll see, we'll see about the, the blessings. Right now, I'm still leaning towards using them. But if it winds up, and if people are having fun with them, I, I think I'll keep them. But if it winds up becoming oppressive, then maybe we go back to
1: regular Warcry. I'm not sure. Maybe there's a compromise in there where like, you get one blessing. Like one model gets a blessing and that's, that's it. Maybe, yeah. Now, I would like to play the rules kind of like as... I would like to kind of play the rules
0: as written, though. Like as completely given to yep. us start which that might be a good compromise
1: if it starts to become oppressive true
0: it's kind of like a little house rule thing exactly Uh, you know what's you know what's funny they're doing a a tournament at warhammer world next month and they're allowing blessings Mm -hmm. but they're not they're not running the blessings the way that they're described in the white dwarf in in White Dwarf, you get to pick your blessings before each battle, and so you you know you get to do the list tuning like I talked about. Right. For that tournament, you're allowed to have blessings, but you have to put them on your roster, and you're locked in for the entire for the entire tournament use with the blessings that you picked on you put on your roster. So, the people that the people that put out the rules aren't even following the rules that they they put out. I just, just GW things. Well, yeah, that's, that's a classic, <laughs> classic games workshop. Uh, I mean, it makes, it makes things easier, I guess, from a bookkeeping standpoint. But then, but why write, why write the rules like that in White Dwarf? Just say they go on your roster.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Can you put blessings on monsters? Yes. Yes, you can.
0: You can put plus one toughness on a Chimera. To help mm-hmm. solve the, to help solve the, uh, the 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 fact that it can get uh, it can get burnt down quickly, because
1: Camaro's got toughness four. Yeah, I mean, what's an, when you're using a Camaro, it's another fifteen points, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh,
0: I think it's it might be a couple more points. One sec. Twenty points.
1: Twenty points what, for the toughness. What's another yeah. twenty
0: points on a chimera? Right. You make it. You make it toughness five. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of you get a lot of extra mileage on those on those fifty wounds. Uh, with uh, with an extra point of toughness there, and going from four to five is a is pretty reasonable or a pretty yeah. noticeable difference.
1: Yeah. Wow. I think there's there's much more of a, a bonus from going four to five, then, say, five to six. Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, all right, we're getting close to the end here. Upcoming events. So, uh, as of the time of uh, recording here, it's uh, the weekend before Nova Open. So, I plan to have this episode complete and published before I head out to Nova Open. Uh, I'm not able to play in the... In the competitive event on thursday unfortunately uh i have a work thing going on on wednesday Uh, the plan is i should be either leaving very late wednesday or very early on thursday but i do want to get there it'll be like last year last year i got there before the event ended and i was there to kind of do some event coverage and so i'll be i plan on doing that again this year as well so what you can expect for the next episode is going to be event coverage uh, probably you know, d- depending on how fast I can put it together and record it I, what you can expect is probably a, a YouTube short with the top lists from nova open probably within a you know within a day or two of uh, of the event happening and uh, we, there might be an, uh, we'll do another episode as well I want to get Justin uh, the to on for next episode and kind of talk about that but uh, and then maybe some maybe, and, you know, some photo coverage or something like that, maybe video coverage. We'll see. But uh, yeah, this is going to be huge, huge Warcry tournament, uh, kind of experimental format with uh, group stages and playoffs. And I can't wait to can't wait to check it out. Yeah, it should be good time. And for those of us in the local area, the next Dayton event, uh, the store is. To be determined. But it'll be Sunday, September 17th. My brother's back in town. So
1: we're going to do a war cry day that day. All right. Uh, go ahead. I should be back on my normal schedule by then. So, All right. So you're going to be good for Sunday? Uh, hopefully. Fingers crossed. All right.
0: And it's... Uh, I'm going to check and see if there's going to be a conflict at Dragon's Guild Hall. But... Uh, we might do that one again, or we might go back to Epic Loot. Uh, it's gonna be one of those two. But you can save the date. it be Sunday, September 17th, for sure. This brings us to a close for this episode of Dayton Warcry Club. We'll be back next time with coverage of Nova Open. Uh, until then, if you can check if you check out the official Warcry Discord, the link is in the description here. Until then, I'm War Machine.
1: I'm see forever. Thanks for listening.
0: The rough outro, but whatever.